the story of Argentum and the kingmaking that arose. You remember exploring it. It was full of all kinds of dangerous things, particularly portcullises and quicklings. And as you got to the top, you found a a banshee-like creature, fey creature, that tried to suck all the life out of Drail and what did successfully mesmerize all of you once and most of you twice. Didn't quite take anybody's life, though. And in that room, um, although she did take most of Ayla's strength at the end of it. And uh, as you were in that room, you also saw that there was a mirror in the corner with a a crack through it. And in the reflection of the mirror, you saw uh, the reflection of the tower around you, which had changed and looked fully functional. Giant runes made in the grass outside and golems patrolling the towers and uh, as well you saw some images in the mirror you saw a uh, a figure with golden scales and horns kind of like a he looked elven but he also had uh, scaly horns coming out of his head and uh, a golden glow around him and you saw a variety of pictures of him standing with different elven women um, except for the last three pictures standing with a, a different woman a race you couldn't identify but uh with greenish skin and after that the pictures stop oh right and of uh and one of the elven women you saw in the middle resembled the old Beldane, but she looked a bit different. She did not look as um, green. She looked more golden and her ear and younger. And, uh, looked like the young Beldane? Looked like a young Beldane. Yeah. Well, did we ever identify her as an elf? Like, at the time? Like, I don't think, like, there's, like, the fact that she was el- an elf was ever yeah. apparent to us. We're like, oh, <laughs> She's an elf. And to be fair, if you think back on it now, she could be elven, but she doesn't look super elven, like, based on your knowledge of what she looks like right now. She looks more hag. She's a humanoid. She looks kind of more hag-like, but uh, Mm -hmm. not... Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... I don't know if you did... uh... Oh, it was the final seven images um, were with this this creature uh, whose skin was the color of a fresh plant shoot and her hair a lush halo of moss and undergrowth and she so didn't look anything like the woman that fey lady and the our ally and the we could 
Octopus in the trees. Oh, it's Tyrissia. Yeah. yeah, she looks. She has some similarities to Tyrissia, but it's certainly not the same race. The other thing that stood out about this um, this figure in the mirror is that, like Tyrissia, is gorgeous, and this creature is four or five times, maybe ten times more beautiful than Tyrissia. Like so beautiful that it's actually painful. It's uncomfortable and painful to look at her. And by the end of the images, she was the one wearing the pants, wasn't she? Oh, that's true. Right. Yeah, the body language had shifted, whereas um, in uh, in all the poses with the um, elven women, the male figure was standing behind them and had his arms around them. And by the end of those, and in the first of the seven last seven images, that's how the male elf was. But by the end of the seven images, you're right. The um, the green-haired woman like creature was standing behind the elf and holding him instead <laughs> was he pregnant in the last image or <laughs> um maybe but uh, not enough that he was showing okay yeah and so i think you had the intention to bring uh to ask the old beldame about this mirror and you're able to um, easily do that within the within the week. My understanding was that you kind of cleared out the tower, brought everything back to Argentum, and then made another trip out to the old Beldame with the mirror in tow. Um, and I, I will say that um, Drail invited uh, all the barons to come with him because in his mind, this could be related to national security in the sense that like there's this crazy tower full of incredibly evil and dangerous things and this mirror is connected to the old Beldame. Um, probably better that the other barons have a sense of why, if there's an answer to this, why this was happening. So ev everyone gets to come. Yeah, it was post my birthday weekend getaway with Cora. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. And so you are able to head into the swamp. And um, as you remember, the um, the kind of like there's a, a central mile of swampland that's even uh, more magical than the rest of the stolen lands and the gnarl marches. So as you head into that hex, um, you the the hairs on your arms even stand up. And I, I had forgotten this, but. Um, the magic is so strong in the area around the old Beldame's hut that any spells cast in the area are automatically maximized mechanically. Um, Tom, just by the way, we have black screen for the deep on roll 20 at the moment. Oh, well, that's not helpful. Um, I can Tom, are we that. leveled up at this point? Are we level 7 at this point? Um, sure. Sure. I don't think it drastically matters, but yes, yes you are. Glamour got, Glamour almost got eaten here, so he's always like feels uneasy at this place. So he doesn't need the, he doesn't need any magic feeling to feel the hairs on his neck stand up. He's just, just like, this is where I almost died. I mean, yeah, he, he did actually. He's like picking herbs. He's like going crazy. And I mean, from Finn's experience, the types of herbs, in particular the mushrooms that go around here, unlike you know many other places 
and you're able to to make it through on on the path in the swamp to the outer fence. Uh, what Cheryl saying? Uh, okay, Cheryl will be back in a minute. Um, and you're able to make it to the outer fence with the gate swinging, uh, and you can see the old Bell Dame's hut. Is her uh, scarecrow fen still standing vigil? Absolutely. If you take a look in, yep, there's definitely a scarecrow there. Ring the bell. Ding, ding, ding. And uh, after you wait for a minute, the bottom or the top half of the door to the hut opens up, and you see the old bell dame's green skin and white hair pop out. Oh yes, you're back. Did you go to that place, the tower? Indeed, I, uh, I did. And some curious things we found there. Oh, yes, yes, well, come in, don't stand at the gate forever. Don't want anyone to get the sense that I take visitors. Hmm. We wouldn't want that now, would we? All uh, right. You got the soft spots for us, don't you, my lady? But wouldn't want anyone to get that idea, either. <laughs> All right, we'll head on in. Get cozy. And it's a pretty big mirror. Like, I think it's, how I said it was, what, like, five feet, six feet tall? So uh, how did you, I mean, you have lots of time to transport it. Just curious how you ended up doing that. I mean, could it have been strapped strapped to Sora? Or probably on Glanner's donkey. They're more pack animals. Sorath is large now. He's a big old beast. Have you ever tried to, like, strap something on a cat? I didn't want it. Hey. Just... <laughs> I know she's a good girl, but she's still a cat. She's a good girl. That's true. It's just attached to her tail, and she's just flicking it around as she's going. You know, it's doing her she's doing her weightlifting with the with the mirror. It's fine. I'd suggest we probably had like a, a horse-drawn cart or something. Yeah. Acquisition for this task. Yeah, that's probably fair. We probably just borrowed one. We made made we made a makeshift one. Yeah, but but then. Take it from our from our kingdom. We have a cart. Okay, brought a cart. Something pulled. Him. We pull over a merchant traveling on the road, and we say, "This cart is being requisitioned for use by the barons of uh, Silver Falls. Please unload." <laughs> I thought you were just good go barons. Go. No, taxes are high this year. Huh. That's right. Okay, we go inside. Oh, Tom, that's really my question: Is does Sorath even fit inside now? Inside the house? No. No. So I just like tell her, like, you know, lay down outside the front door, and she will prevent anyone from getting in or out. Yeah. Ah, so you say that you went to that tower. What did you find? Well, many strange things. We not a few a few unpleasant creatures, I must uh, admit. Uh, rather pesky fay. I stop it. Describes the quickling, and um, 
And, oh, uh, don't forget you forgot the dancer already, lad. She left quite an impression on you. Oh, yes. Yes, I was getting to the dancer. No, she, uh... She was, uh, quite something, I'm afraid. She, uh, nearly... Sucked all of my life force while we were just inches away from our goal, I think. But, uh, if it wasn't for my my friends here, I would be uh, just a dry husk at the moment. It doesn't surprise me that that place has attracted evil, and uh, it's a place of great magic, as maybe you saw. It don't, doesn't surprise me that things have made their home there. Probably more things have made their home there that have made their home here. Yes, it seems seems that it was once used to craft some sort of golems. Do you, do you know anything about this down below? Oh, golems in the tower. You you saw golems? Didn't well. <laughs> we didn't see any uh, in physical form per se, but that I suppose that brings us to our our second interesting find, the rather curious mirror that we've brought along with us today. Wonder if perhaps you might uh, know something about that. And we will. Um, I don't know if the we brought the mirror inside or if it's outside in the cart or something like that. But he'll like pull the the canvas over to, uh, off of it and bit of a yeah dramatic flare. And yeah. then um, how heavy yeah. is this mirror, Tom? It's like it's probably like 120 pounds. So like two people can carry it, but uh, right. you're not slinging it over your shoulder or anything. Yeah, right. no, no, no. It's just awkward that like probably the halfling and the dwarf are trying to carry this thing that's like twice like their height together. Yeah. Fine. Well, it's yeah. Well, probably I mean, a, me a medium load for Glanrum is 267 pounds. So I mean. Well, I'm I'm not arguing that. It's just you know it's it's not it's not heavy. It's just you know it's bulky. At, at least you two are at the it's same awkward. height, so uh, it's not yeah, like we're at least closer. Yes, we saw many curious things in the mirror that we've brought here today. As you unveil it, you can see her kind of physically start and have a bit of surprise when she sees it. Not the least of which was a, a fair young elven woman with, um, what's her description here? Fair young elven woman with um, <clears throat> elven ears fine blonde hair and uh, a green, healthy green skin. Yeah. Well, it's... Not a tad bit unlike your own, I must say. It's been many years since I've seen that woman. Yes, uh, I have been in that tower before. What what do you know about Glorandir, the Radiant One? And I would take a knowledge history or a knowledge religion or um do you guys have either of those? Well um, not. I have so I have one point in religion. Mm -hmm. What do you got? Do you have Oh, hold on. Let me tell you. I mean, Glanrum could roll history. But that's about it. And yep, history would work. Not... 
That 20. Oof. Wow. I'll tell you this. That 19. <laughs> feeling pretty, feeling... Um, hold on. Where's where's your freaking leveled up character? Oh, there he is. Um, Finn, <laughs> cheering in the chat. For a total of, he's got a plus four to history, but he's got a plus twelve to religion. Whoa. Yeah, Finn's 32. the high priest. People, come on now. Okay. So we're. We're at a 22 for knowledge religion and a 25 for knowledge history. No, no, a no, 32. 32. Oh, a 32 <laughs> on religion. Okay. Goodness. So um, that can tell you lots and lots about uh, Glorandir, the Radiant One. And so from those roles, you would know um, that he's, Glorandir is both a historical and a religious figure, a gold dragon um, worshipped by not many but uh there is a group of elves that that worshipped this dragon in particular but to everybody else an old old an ancient and very powerful gold dragon one of the um major forces for good around galeria and um not known about these days at all because Glorandir, the Radiant One, is dead and has been dead for many years. Uh, you would know that Glorandir was slain by um, uh, a, a very famous red dragon of ancient times named Skora, the Bringer of Searing Death. What stands out about Glorandir um, is that th there was a, a group of elves that Glorandir um, was connected with. I mean, it's a long time ago. Those are huge roles. So, but you still don't know exactly maybe what the relationship between Glorandir and these elves are. But you do know that the, this group of elves worshipped him. And, um, and Glorandir... Uh, oversaw them and uh, trained them in some of the magic, the gold dragon magic that he brought. And that these elves are also no longer around. They were one of the many casualties of the portal war where the orcs um, first fled onto Galeria and um, a huge battle um, that, that changed all across the land. I don't know quite a bit about that part. Well, how do you spell this name? Glorandier is G-L-O-R-A-N-D-I-E-R. Got it. Glorandier, the Radiant One. And what was the red one's name? Skora. S-C-O-R-A. The bringer of searing death. Red dragon. Thing. Yep. And uh, you know that these elves were on the side of the mighty alliance that fought back against the orcs. Um, and particularly with that history role, um, you know that their, uh, their kingdom was one of the casualties of the war. The orcs invaded it and um, essentially destroyed the whole kingdom. 
Um, but out of your, yeah, those are, wow, keep on rolling huge knowledge rolls. Uh, so um, because you rolled high enough, you would also know that uh, Glorandir and Scora um, got engaged in an epic battle, and Scora was slain right away, and Glorandir was mortally wounded, but not completely killed before he made it back to the kingdom of the Golden Elves and um, cast some kind of spell. Different people would describe it in different ways. But as their kingdom and capital, capital city was falling into ruin, as the orcs were um, slaying all the elves, a group, a small group of powerful magic sorcerer elves were able to push back the the final assault even with their city dying around them these elves with the death of gloriander and some kind of transference of magic these elves grew in enormous power and even uh, the reports of them even turning into gold dragons as they uh, staved off annihilation their kingdom still destroyed there wasn't enough of it left by the time they got their power to save the kingdom but the uh the the people were not totally annihilated as these sorcerers of great power um uh emerged from the death of gloriander the radiant one that's what you know that's lots, but that is what you know about Gloriander, she asks you. What do you know about Gloriander? And then she's, like, shocked. Wow, that's quite a bit. It's been like, <laughs> well, I've been studying a lot lately, and uh, let me tell you. Let me tell you all about Gloriander. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was a couple details in there I didn't know, to be honest. <laughs> These... <That's> funny. These... <laughs> Go ahead, Steve. Trail's just like, why didn't I ask them about this ages ago? I would have answered so many questions. About <laughs> Wait, you guys knew this? <laughs> you never <laughs> asked us, lad. <laughs> this is the first you've mentioned it. <laughs> Ray J knows it too. <laughs> it's his bedtime story. I tell him all the time. Well, apparently, Glander knew fair bit about it too with, with his role. Like, the first time he's actually like, ooh, dwarven knowledge about the war. I know this. Oh. So, funny. Admit, it's just had He's like, oh, yeah. It just My father's been telling me these stories for years. <laughs> and I guess no one had brought up this gold dragon by name either, particularly. No. No, not at all. It's just kind of funny. It works. Like, it's not like a plot in a hole, but it's just kind of funny. <laughs> it's like, oh, we knew this all along, but we just never, no one ever asked. Totally. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I think uh, I think Trail's like I don't know his jaw is just on the floor, listening to like other people talk about this. Um, and I, yeah, I think he's just like had like he's just had the for the most of the our, our adventure he's just had the tapestry, mm. which has been kind of a vague allusion to this mm -hmm. nation. So this is like a huge, yeah. So, huge light bulb moment where thing like the the details are being filled in for him. If I if I may be so bold, my lady, uh, the young man in the the image with you. 
one of the remnants of this nation, or was at one point? Ah, very wise, young dwarf. Yes. When the great sorcerers came forth and preserved the last of their nation, even though their city and kingdom was to be no more, there was but a handful of these great sorcerers. And after they watched their people and the things they'd built fade away, they decided the most important thing they could do was to continue their people, make sure they didn't die out forever. And that young man you saw in the mirror, he was one of those sorcerers, Hiradore. He took a couple people still around and retreated to the most secluded place he could find to a woods deep in the stolen lands known as the Gnarl Marches, utterly uninhabited except by the Fae. And there he started himself a village, a place where he could maybe one day repopulate at least some of his people and let them not be forgotten forever. The village he started you might be familiar with Thale Aqua. The site. Hey, wasn't that that place you learned about the other time? Yeah. Yes. So she mentioned this. Sorry. Um, go ahead. No, I was going to say the yeah, site no, you now stand, or at least a memory of it. What happened here? Tragedy, really, eh? This place was utterly tied to their leader, Kiridori. It was his magic and his leadership that brought it into being. He lived in the village and time to time retreated to his tower, a place you are now familiar with, his caster's tower when he needed break from the people or to engage in magics not fit for the village when he I wasn't here but sometimes the, the spirits here the ghosts of the people that used to live in this place sometimes I can hear them and from what I hear they started fading when Kiridori one day left and did not return to the village. And since Kiridori has left, the village has faded, misted, disappeared in a aura of mourning and magic. And were you one of these elves? And if so, why did you not fade into the mist yourself? Oh, was I one of these elves? Yes and no. Was I once a priestess of Thale Aqua? I think your evidence is in the mirror. Yes, 
I too was one of the young ladies taken by Kiridore. Willingly, of course, it was a great honor. One we ought to prepare for is young women in the village and taken to his tower for a day and a night. A most exciting time for a young elven woman and the main way we were working to repopulate the elves of the Golden Scale, this village of Thalequa. And I had my children, but always known as a bit of a rebel. It was not a life. As I grew older, I realized it was not a life that was meaningful for me or that I thought made sense. And I left. Not really done by the people of Thalia. They're quite insular as a group and were told to stay together and continue to try and strengthen these people but I didn't believe in it I I left and only came back when I stopped hearing from my daughter and that wasn't the biggest problem the biggest problems when I started stopped hearing from my granddaughter by the time I got back I see what you see. This place has faded. The people here, yet but ghosts or spirits, and the village itself covered in this swamp. But these people, they're important. Can't just let them fade away into nothing. And you see her start to her nose twitches, her eyebrows start to sag. So I stay here, lone guardian of these people. I fear that they will never come back if Kiridori has not returned. But I have not the strength to find him. I couldn't even get into his tower. Well... Like I said, we we have been to the tower, we've retrieved the mirror. We saw what could be the a reflection of these people, but I think this is more than just just an image. I think there's there's more to this mirror, but it's it seems to be broken perhaps or I wonder if you know what this mirror is. And, oh, yes. They... Um, yeah, he'll he'll kind of describe what they saw in it. And as you describe it, you're able to bring the images forth again. Mm. So you are able to call them up basically at will. Um, and she says, Oh, of course, yes. It's an Enyal mirror. And uh, anyone that speaks ancient elven able to uh, translate that as a, a mirror of memory. It's a great artifact. Kiridore's artifact, of course. He made it. This one broken, unlike the last time I saw it. Looks obvious. The giant crack running all the way through the center. An annual mirror when functioning 
can hold a set of moments in return. A moment, set of moments that you can revisit later as you wish. As you step into the mirror in the moments, it's not just a picture. You can experience the feelings, the sensations, sometimes even the thoughts of those moments that it records. This mirror, I fear, no longer functioning in that way. It probably won't give us more than these images that we currently see. Can you but... tell us anything about the last woman? Hmm. She's the only one that appeared in more than one. I do not know who this last woman is. Um, but if you want, I will let you, uh, or we can roll together to see if her knowledge nature is any better than the knowledge natures you collectively rolled. She's plus six on the die, and it's a DC 17, so she needs an 11 on the roll to see if she can figure out. Hmm. Nicely done. Old Belle Dame uh, comes through. Oh, yet another fae creature would not be a surprise to have fae in the Gnarl Marches, but I would say that is a nymph. Hmm. Who I don't know. Perhaps we need to ask our wee friends in the forest. Mm. Oh. She was the last to be seen with him. Perhaps she would know where to find him if we could locate her. That is more information than I've ever had. If you were able to bring Hiradore back from wherever you think he is with this woman, that, I believe, would be enough to bring life back to these people. These spirits and my granddaughter. We have encountered Faye more interested in keeping their paramours for themselves than letting them go. Perhaps it's another case of that. What was that fool, that, uh, that lumberjack idiot that we saved from the, the water nymph? That kind of situation. Elira's ex, the um, idiot. That one, yeah. I don't know. I've tried to block. I've tried to block the name of Paramount. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But I wonder if it's the same thing. Fell in with a fae. Fae didn't want to let him go. I mean, nymphs are pretty, right? Aye. And an immortal lover. That an immortal lover would be probably something that. Uh, a fae wouldn't be willing to let go of soon. Kiradori was a powerful sorcerer. It would surprise me if just a simple fae was able to... Well, I don't know. That man... I don't know. I, uh... I don't... It's just, uh, just going by the body language, it went from him possessive to her possessive, so something changed. 
and she, she'll she'll watch the images with you as you stand in her hut and the mirrors up against the ratty falling apart wall. She nods and agrees. That is most strange. That is not my experience of Caradore, nor did he bring women back multiple times. Typically, he just brought a priestess in once for a day, and tonight it was glorious. But then he would move on. Yeah, he would. Everyone's trying not to imagine the old Del Dame having sex. <laughs> no. <laughs> Robin, I'm watching Handmaid's Tale right now, and that's all I'm picturing. I'll, we can talk about that later. The series? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that whole premise of repopulation. You, and she points at Drill, you were able to call these images for this mirror resonates with you. As it resonates with me. What, what do you think this means? I think we found your daddy, lad. Explain the cause. Time for some evidence of, of where I came from. Perhaps I finally found it, but here we are with a broken mirror and no closer to to finding the actual people. Lanner Any... puts his arms around Drill. Well, and I think we might have found your mother too, but we gotta figure out which one first. He looks over at the old bell dame. The... You said you only had a daughter? Uh, yes. I might... Yes, I only have a daughter. We... <sighs> Sorry, lad, it would have been too easy. That, that was Cheryl's guess. I'm gonna... I'll just say right now, that was Cheryl's guess for sure. She wanted the big reveal to be Old Bell Dame's actually Drill's mother. <laughs> the whole time. Awesome. Uh, well, Drill I... is... is, is... Is Adrael half-elf? Aware of the fact that he is a half-elf, and therefore yeah. the actual options are fairly narrow, seeing as we only saw one human uh, in the images. And so Adrael asks, actually, he will ask the old, the old dame, was it common for Carador to bring humans to his tower? Um, I don't know if there, I don't think there was a human image in oh. the images. So, no, it was not common. He was quite serious about only bringing elves from his village. Although, and she'll point at Drill, I have heard about you from time to time when the spirits deign to talk. They tell me that you... You wear the... You have a... The medallion of a priestess of Thalakwa yourself. I don't know. What what does it look like? And, um... I mean, she doesn't have one anymore, so she can't produce it. But um, the medallion with the golden dragon and the... I believe it has, like, uh, red eyes. 
No, he was. He's had that since birth. And it still, it, when he walks into the swamp, like that mile around her hut, the eyes light up. Which the first time he ever saw it was the first time that he visited the old Beldane. Right. So he'll, yeah, pull that out. Not many priestesses leave Thale Aqua, and I am but one. I left my medallion here when I left, and there was but one other priestess. Well, soon to be priestess. She'd never completed her duties as a priestess. She left before she could. Some. And, Sorry, go ahead. Um. What was her What was her name? Her name was Rael, and some would say she was closer to me than she was to her own mother, and that her leaving was inspired by mine. She was a good friend, younger. I considered her a niece or a daughter. She had a brain in her head, unlike many of those other elves living here. My daughter included. I suggest my granddaughter may fare better yet. Do you know where Rail went after she left? I left before she did. I did not see her go. Although the spirits here seem to think that she returned at some point before I got here. With a human in tow, some knight, and his friends, and... It's tough to tell the timelines, but from maybe about 30 years ago, they returned, and the fading had already started, but the people there, the spirits now, were able to talk to them, tell them Kiridore had left, and this Rael wanted to bring someone here to be raised in the village. But with Kiridore gone, she and this knight, his friends, apparently they're quite known for going on quests, and so they took one more off to find Kiridore himself. They also have not returned. Any any idea where we should look for Rael or Kiridori or who we could talk to who who might know where they went? 
Well, my guess would be the first place they would go would be Kiridore's tower. And after that, the spirits say Kiridore went west. So, seems we're just going to strike out west from the tower. Is that the, that the best we've got? If I knew more, I couldn't even get in the tower. Wouldn't be a guardian here if I knew where he was. The pain the step here is so great. So be it. Seems that... I have some exploring to do, and I hope that uh, I hope that the barons may aid me in this one day. But well, thank you, thank you, Beldame, for at least shedding some light on on what's going on here. And I hope that uh, I hope maybe these images have have given you some fond memories or to dwell on. This mirror may have yet one more thing. She will take Drail's hand and uh, put it on the mirror and then use some of her own magic, like imbue her magic through her hand, through his hand, onto the mirror. And um, so the, the mirror, if, uh, if not broken, is an absolute artifact and uh, has the, the, like, remembering scenes, but also... Um, remembers many other things magically as well as many other powers those aren't accessible but there is a fraction of one of its powers that still is accessible to drail and uh, so mechanically it works as drail can read similar to his vestments drail can read a scroll into it and uh, if he reads a scroll into it the scroll is consumed but then the spell stored inside the mirror and linked to Drail counts as an additional spell known. Wow. So the scrolls consumed every time you do it, um, but you can put new scrolls in. The old spell is lost. It can only hold one at a time, but um, <coughs> it's an expand. As it's an expanded, yeah, additional wow. spell known. That's very cool. Incredible. Right. Well, thank you, thank you, old bull dame. This, this will aid us in our search, and I, I, I will endeavor to find Sirador and bring him back, and perhaps give you some, something of your old life back. You proved yourself able, so far, and able to get into the tower I think you can do more uh, Thomas gets a bottle cap according <laughs> to, to Cheryl so that means his uh, you know one of his characters can roll twice and take the better results well I definitely would have used yeah. that with the uh, with the dancing lady so right. oh well next time 
Yeah. Not okay. uh if it's not imposing too much on you, milady. One last question, an unrelated topic, but you've been guarding these lands for a time. Do you happen to know anything about that fort of the, the dwarves established? What may have happened to the to any of them? Dwarves, you I say? imagine the dwarves. The dwarves showed up not long after the elves, around the same time. I imagine. No, I know of no dwarves in the Narl Marches. I was gone they for a hundred years, but there were not mm. dwarves here when I left, as far as I know, and there were not dwarves here when I returned. Although my people are quite reclusive. I suppose they would have avoided a forest. Uh, didn't hurt to ask. Worth a try, hey Steve? Worth a try. Hey, if they struck out west, then Drell and Gunn were going on an adventure together. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Going to, in yeah, the woods alone. Doesn't sound dangerous at all. Mm -hmm. It's dangerous for the monsters waiting for us. But... Yeah. Those purple penis monsters don't know what's coming. No, they do. <laughs> I think that's all Drail has in terms of follow-up with the Bill Dame, unless that, if she's done with him. Yep. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. I'll just bring you back to your the overworld map for a brief moment. You just you can re-see where the squares are. So the old Bell Dame's not far away. They, she her swamp actually um, borders Silver Falls, and if you imagine that there was a village there at some point. Uh, Hey, a great location to set up a, a village as part of a kingdom on the the edge of the Tuskwater there. I don't know who else would do that. And then uh, the tower, which you now know to be Kiridore's caster tower, a couple hexes away. So certainly not directly next, but not too far away from where the village would have originally been. Yeah. All right, back to Silver Falls. Back to Silver Falls. Here we go. We never did check the bottom of the river. Damn, when are we going to do that? <laughs> I keep forgetting. Look at Silver Falls. I still want to know what that bitch was swimming towards before the... Sh wow, looks like a proper kingdom. Whoa, yeah. Look at that city. Maybe. Beautiful. It's very blurry right now, but you know. That's looks good else is now. Blurry? No, it I think yours is just loading, Dave. Focus for me. All right, Colin and I's are both lit. <laughs> well, hopefully, roll twenty figures its life out. We were playing on Friday night, so sometimes it gets popular. That's true. All right. We have a. Oh, actually. Um... I'm going to pull you away for half a second just to run, jump into the timeline real quick, and then I'll, I'll take you back. Uh, so just as a reminder, timeline-wise, um, the Elven Tower was in the summer, the late summer of year three. And so after uh, Drail has this conversation with the old Bell Dame and learns about the mirror, there is a couple months uh, to prepare for Karubia and Cora's wedding coming up in the winter. And so we jump ahead 
by several months and into the deepest darkest part of winter with the biggest best celebration um and it's what is that that's a so it's a full year after the troll war yeah you're over a year now the oh, the yeah, elven yeah. tower it's a year. It's was a basically year. a year past the troll yeah, war yeah, so it's, a it's now a, a year and a quarter a, yeah. time has gone marching on okay now i'll take you back to silver falls Yeah. Oh, there. Now it's better too. Uh, and in that time, after meeting with the old Bell Dam guys, we had another festival of silver. It was great. No Gr Gregory, Gregory, whatever his name is, Gregory, yeah, showed up. But then, but someone with the plague did, and Silver Falls for October had to go on lockdown where Finn was in charge, because uh, we had a plague outbreak in Silver Falls. But we lost a few. We lost a few, but because of Finn. It was minimal, and it didn't spread to the rest of the kingdom. He is becoming like there a plague a, specialist, uh, pretty much. Oh. Yeah. Um, but then, because we were Silver Falls wasn't doing a lot, uh, we uh, we had a one-year party for Tasselford because it was one year old. That was one of our holidays. And then in November, we finished the cathedral in time for the wedding, which falls on the winter solstice, which is also known as Candlemark. Right. It was. Sorry, what was it known as? <laughs> uh, Candlemark? Is that what you said, Dave? Sorry, what? Oh, the Candlemark is the winter solstice. It's the Serenray holiday where um, it's actually it's a sacred day for people who are like joining the faith as adults it's like um altar call day yeah going from from baptism to confirmation where you become a full member after 15. it's mm. particularly important to those evil ones that have been redeemed oh, there we go there you go there's a little fun tidbit of the winter solstice for you as we move into the wedding how bad was the plague so uh we we Cut it down in one month, so it costs minus two to stability permanently, and it costs us two build points. But that was it. Yeah, it basically, you succeeded on your stability check, like your kingdom rolls. You succeeded in all all of them, so you minimized the effects of the uh, of the plague. Only a few died, okay. like the elderly. So kind of like the, the sick, you know. kind of like the first plague we had on the way to the. Probably around the same numbers, but we have like thousands mm -hmm. of people now. Not, not yeah. a couple hundred. Do we have like a standing warn on Gregor? I think so. I think in Gregory, yeah, like, yeah. The the frustrating thing like, is you oh you give now. a description every time and he shows up and with it and he looks different. So you add a second description or a third description to your outstanding one and. You're on probably description four or five on the list now. Ugh. Another bastard we're going to have to hunt down one of these days. Yeah, you're not running out of things to do by any stretch of the imagination. All right, let's move to the wedding, Tom, if you want to get your... I do. It's Let's get wedding tastic. Um, okay, so first, uh, I'll just run through again what I had in the thread there. 
Um, so planning to do it kind of more of a like a flashback style um, and everyone will give a, get a chance to do a scene of whatever has inspired them. Um, can be short, can be longer, whatever feels fun, can be totally improv'd. Um, you could have planned some stuff for it already. Could be some combination of both those things. Um, if someone is, if someone does a, a part of the scene or the scene that you were kind of planning on doing, then uh, I think our golden rule is going to be the the yes and. So feel free to do it as well and just incorporate what um, someone else has already said, and you can add to it from a different perspective or uh, bring forth different details or whatever that is. But uh, it's going to be a bit of a uh, an improv uh, improv a game. I don't know. It's going to be the indie. Um, yeah, it is. So yeah, you guys will get a chance to take turns. I'll open it up with a scene and I'll close it off with a scene. And then it's up to you to, to pull it together in the middle. All right. Any questions or quandaries aside from Tom, why do you do D&D so weird and make up your own friggin' things that aren't just regular D&D? I have a scene that happens before the ceremony and one that happens after. Oh yeah, so I have a scene that um, I do. I have like I actually have a in my little notes. It's a cut to Finn and the ceremony because I'm sure he's in it. So I have something before and after as well. Very cool. Oh, okay. Gosh, goodness. Trill's gonna try and do via text. We'll we'll do what we can, or maybe we'll I don't know swap or something. Um, I can maybe also swap with you, Cheryl. At that point, who knows. Uh, okay, if there aren't any other questions, then uh, I'm happy to open her up and, and dive us into the Caribbean Cora wedding. So, many in Argentum, many people will remember this day for years to come. Many of them remember the sound starting in the morning with the sound in the deep deep snow all around the sounds being quite muted in the way that when there's a deep snowfall sounds just seem to be quieter but as the sun slowly rose on the day the sounds around silver falls and argentum began to crescendo with the hustle and bustle of hundreds of people moving about and scurrying around Silver Falls and they began preparing for the day in the early hours of the morning. Tamis, Ray J, and Sorath all smell this maelstrom of senses that they've never really smelled before in this combination. There's a low level scent of anxiety and sweat as humans, halflings, dwarves, and elves, and everything in between begin to engage in their preparations across all the buildings in Silver Falls. There's a smell of overarching excitement and anticipation for a big day for the Kingdom of Argentum, but also one centered in a very personal and intimate relationship of love. People remember some of the individuals around standing out in particular. People remember Loinarv bustling around, 
taking a, a moment or two to watch in stillness people just stare at them. Loinar's tra traditional trademark black eye patch traded out for an eye patch of green silk on this particular day. People remember Keston oh, nice. and his boys all wearing flowers as part of their uniforms. Fresh green and white flowers pinned to their uniforms that look like they were carefully cleaned and ironed at some time in the wee hours of the morning. People remember King Vesket making his way with only one other lizard folk in attendance. King Vesket looking uh, particularly majestic in his crown embedded with lapis lazuli uh, around the top. He doesn't look like he's enjoying it particularly. A little more lethargic than you see the big, big lizard walk around usually, but he's there and he's proud. And you see Chief Sootscale wearing a glorious headdress made of feathers and bits of fur and scales hanging. It bounces slightly as he walks across the snow. People also remember a visitor that seemed familiar with Carubial, but a stranger to the other people that he encountered. This was a, a human with piercing blue eyes who rode in at a very well-bred chestnut stallion. You might be able to see that he had blonde hair pulled up into a knot behind his head except you can't see his hair because on top of his head he is wearing a preposterous triangle hat a brilliant shade of amber with great pinstripes perched on his head people also remembered a couple sleds pulled in on the snow from places outside of argentum one of the sleds has uh, the Sertova crest emblazoned on the sides, a gray ship against a field of blue below and black above. The upper shield, part of the crest, spangled with silver stars. And out of this wagon sled pulled across the snow, a figure steps out, imposing in full silver full plate, black stylings in the hinges and a billowing black cape barely manages to fit out of the door of this uh, sled and wagon. The barons would recognize him as one of the Sertova guards, one of the personal bodyguards they met briefly when Queen Natala Sertova met them as they were gaining their charter. Parked facing exactly opposite is another sled, also with a crest on it. This crest has is the crest of the Sword Lords, and underneath is the stencil letters of J.A. And out of that sled steps two figures. Iosef Selimus, no longer the Lord Mayor, but once the Lord Mayor of Restov comes forth. And with him, a steward, his body servant, Rush Hanel, standing there with his yeah, proper white beard and black bow tie and that 
is how the day opens up and some of the people that are around. Wow, that was great, Tom. Thank you. Um, I have arriving at the church. Does anyone have stuff before that? Cheryl maybe oh, does. Cheryl maybe. Okay, at the church. At the church. Okay. Um, so I probably still like pre uh, ceremony. So I probably will. Hold on. No, I have something just before oh, that. Okay. So like just before the ceremony, but like waiting to go down the aisle thing. <laughs> is it? Uh, is yeah. it before the aisle? Okay, okay then so I'll start and I'll pause, okay? Okay, you guys um, are heading to the church? Yeah, so... Just before you go, can I go? Just, are you doing something? Yeah. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so this is before setup. I'm there probably about four and a half hours before the wedding. And I'm talking to all the ushers, the guards, and um, my little helper, Ray J. Um... And I make sure everybody's situated in their positions and that everything's working. So we kind of do like a brief walk down and I tell the guards where to like stand and where to go. Um, kind of like telling them blend in, but also be very anybody suspicious. Um, my my um, ushers, I'm really on them. We're all dressed in royal blue gold trim. Um, whoever's helping me. Kind of thing so i can spot them right away i have a new little outfit that is for the wedding um so whenever i, I wed people or do anything of high priest i'll be wearing this high guard kind of thing um i wonder if i can put it in the, the discord Disc i might have to go into this oh yeah yeah Word. uh i'll go into discord and uh i make sure all the Candles, the place is decorated. It kind of has a um, nature motif too, kind of hidden in there because my um, tribute to Allura, I kind of have like her as there with her favorite flowers kind of thing, um, just to back it up. And then so I get everybody situated. I get guys ready at the door to greet the wedding party. I get... Oh, she likes it. I get... Um, an usher into the groom's room. I get an usher into the bride's room. And then I say, okay, you're there to do whatever they want. Whatever they need, you get it. Like, make their life, like, easy. So I kind of set everybody up and then, like, get them into their position. I get ready. I get all my stuff together. And then I will go out to the front and then wait for the um, groom and bride to come. There you go. All right. Which um, the the groom and his groomsmen will arrive beforehand. And then I will describe the bride and her entourage arrived by a sleigh of superb craftsmanship. It was crafted from a rich dark wood with intricate carvings and gold and silver accents. Although it currently only held Cora, her mother, and the Zorn sisters, it had room for the full wedding party. It was lined with plush velvet cushions in a beautiful emerald green color trimmed with white fur. The exterior of the sleigh was adorned with garlands of holly and mistletoe and hung from the four corners are silver lanterns that emit a warm glow. 
Vasilia was pulled by four majestic silver mares known as Feyfound, as they have all a tinge of Fey ancestry from being native to the stolen lands where the Fey folk flourish. The mane ombres from silver to a deep forest green at the tips, and the tails match this color pattern as well. A terrific find of gifts. Um, inside, and then we'll skip. I'll, I'll, okay. Inside the glorious cathedral, Kerbiel awaits his bride with his groomsmen, Drail and Glanrim, and his best man, Saffron. To their side is Sorath, draped in an emerald green blanket, lined with silver trim, laid down with her paws crossed in front of her. Her visage hard to focus on because of her her maturation. Um, standing there at the head of the aisle is Kerbil. He's wearing a fitted emerald green velvet jacket with silver buttons and trim paired with matching pants. It, of course, was tailored to match his physique perfectly. He definitely fit the look of a young king and not the pain-in-the-ass bragger you met those few years ago. Under the jacket is a crisp white shirt with silver cufflinks and a silver and green necktie. Completing the look was a pair of silver dress shoes. On top of this, he wore a silver and emerald green waistcoat that was seen more as the day went on and dancing was had at the celebratory feast later on. The last thing of note was a subtle one, and on his right hand, he now wears a silver signet ring with the keen coin insignia upon it. And that's where I'll pause to see what's happening with Cora and Ayla. Well, just... One oh, little thing to add yeah. to that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, build on. Glanarim uh, pulls him aside at one point and presents him with this um, magnificent crown of steel and gold uh, fixed with two fine emeralds in the center. And he says, Your warrior crown is good for war, but this is not a day for war. This is a day for something more, Your Highness. I'm I'm honored, and he'll kneel. And Glenarm will place it. Now, I have one fear. Fair lady as well, so but you can't see that one yet. He clasps him, clasps him to him, and then uh, leaves him to carry on with what he has to do. As you guys are talking, I come barging into the room, and I go. You need something to calm your nerves? I got some fungal fun or some fruity punch. Uh, no, I think that's okay, Finn. All right. Lanara? Drea? Uh, what was the first one? A fungal fun. Fungal fun <laughs> or fruity punch? Yes. It will put a little kick and give you a little step at the end. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have one of those um, before the speeches. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Note. All right, I'm going to check on your bride. I'll be usher. Make sure they're ready in 10. Okay? All right. I, I leave the room. All right. And we cut to... Now do we cut to Ayla? Yeah. Yeah. Ayla remembers a moment of peace. There's been lots of busyness going on, uh, excited, excited feelings, and lots of people. But she remembers this moment of peace when she was in in the room. Uh, I don't know what room they're getting ready in. I don't know if it's, it's like 
There's a side room in the it's a big church. Yeah, it's a okay. So they're yeah, they're kind of waiting in a side room. Um and it's just for the moment, for a just a brief moment, it was just Ayla and Cora. And Ayla's remembering how thankful she is to have made this friend. She's never really had such a close friend. She has her sisters, and she's certainly close with them. But this has been different. And when she moved from um, her place underground, she never was really thinking about this. And so she remembers this moment with Cora. And Cora is sitting there looking stunning. And she's just looking, Ayla's just looking at Cora and thinking, my, what a beautiful person. And Cora confides in Ayla that what she's thinking about is the beautiful person that she's about to marry. Her hair is glistening in a streak of sun coming through the window. And Cora almost looks like she's had tears in her eyes, but Ayla detects that it's not quite happening. She's holding it together. <laughs> but but Cora, Ayla remembers Cora saying to her how she was so thankful to be marrying Krubiel and that she... Uh, she spoke about Krubiel's sweetness and his compassion. And Halo <laughs> chuckled a little bit inside because she felt sometimes she hasn't known that Krubiel. But Cora, the sweet smile on Cora's face was was really showing Ayla how truly uh, sweet and kind and gentle Krubiel is and what a beautiful love that these two have. Um, together, um, and and Ayla thinks of this memory as very fondly when she thinks back of the wedding, because it was just this moment, just the two of them, before Cora's life changed. Okay, can I pass it on to you, Finn? Yeah, Finn, what happens now? So, so you hear ruckus outside the door. And you hear Finn's voice go, Ray J, no, that's not food. And then you, you the door opens up and Finn comes in. He goes, Cora, where's your mom? Those great Danes are pooping everywhere. She's not controlling them. They need to be halted. <laughs> and Ray J's trying to eat them. Where is your mom, Cora? Where is your mom? With with the Zorn sisters. <laughs> That was some fruity punch in the back. And he's just like, he looks at it, he kind of looks at it, he's like, oh, you look beautiful. Um, I won't worry about this. Wait, get over here. Uh, okay, I'll go, I'll go find her. I look at the Asher, I go, go find her now. And I go, oh, I'd be ready in 10 minutes, 10 minutes. And he kind of closes the door and heads back out. He still sees her little rustling and the dog's barking. And then, that, and then silence. <laughs> a moment later, uh, there's a knock at the door. 
Lanham kind of pokes his head in. Uh, this is a bad moment. No, no, no come on in. Uh, I think we're okay, Cora. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Finn left was, I don't know, being Finn. Anyways, and he goes up to Cora. He says, we don't know each other as well as I'd like, but you have made my man happier than I've ever seen him, and believe me, I knew him before he was a happy man. So... I made you a wee something the befitting of your new standing in our kingdom. And he uh, presents her with this delicately um, crafted white gold tiara with three small rubies engraved in the front of it. He says, The queen needs a crown. Does she not? Mm. So. She probably uh, nods and kneels or whatever, yeah. It's like, ah, no need to be so formal, lass. And he places it on her head. Uh, I tell ya. Right. He's looking at... Uh, looking at his companion. He's like, she was a vision before, but how about now, eh? <laughs> Alright, well, enough of this old bastard. I'll let you get on with it. I'll see you at the ceremony. Kayla remembers... Uh... Cora's smile on her face when she receives the crown. Um, a look of of joy and anticipation and nerves. <laughs> okay, are we ready? I'm not ready. Hold on. Hold on. I'm, sorry. You're, oh, which I'm, in the I'm like here. I'm going to start describing it. Your dress? Yeah, her yeah. walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, not her walk yet. Oh. I, I do a, I want to I want to do a pre meeting with the wedding party. Like which the boys? <laughs> or both? Like separately? No, at the same time. I call them together. Yeah, but you can't have the bride and the groom together. Right, they're not together. You guys are still. I'm talking about the wedding party. Just the Just wedding party. The bride and groom. Oh, Just, the groomsmen and the yeah, bridesmaids. Yeah. Okay, all of them. Yeah. Okay, go. So uh, five minutes later, an actor comes back and gets the Zorn sisters and the uh, um, bride the boys. The median kind of the central hall where everybody meets uh, before the wedding starts. Um, and then Finn's there and his ushers are there. And Finn goes to them and goes, okay, guys, this is a big day. I'm not really good at pep talks, but this is their day. So it's your guys' responsibility. Make sure it's their day. So if it means taking drinks on for them, you take drinks on for them. <laughs> If it means to dance for that touchy uncle, you dance with a touchy uncle. Okay? We gotta make sure what okay. they want gets done. You I'll understand? Do I'll you dance like with it. the touchy uncle. Love it, Zorn sisters. You guys will be on front line. Real, I expect some fantastic fireworks at the end. Well, I've got a yes. thing or two prepared. Don't you worry. Love it. Lanarum? You gotta take on the drinking party. Because huh. I know you can handle it. A <laughs> lot, <laughs> I've been preparing for that all year. Love it. Alright, guys, go back to where you are. Five minutes, our national's gonna come. We're gonna start this thing. Gotcha? Hey. Alright. Gotcha. Go, team. Go. <laughs> go, go, go. Go. <laughs> he kind of like goes, no, no, seriously. Go, 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 go. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay, yeah. Okay, you guys ready? 
So, cut back to now. The smile that was plastered upon his face was unforgettable as he saw his bride for the first time that day. Adorned in a dress of luxurious emerald, green velvet, and adorned with intricate silver embroidery and beading, the bodice was fitted and flattering with delicate silver straps that crossed at the back to create a beautiful and unique design. The skirt of the dress was full and vol voluminous and just hold, yeah. and sparkled as the silver lace and tulle added to it caught the sunlight that poked through the cathedral hall as she walked down it, Sir Renray giving her blessing on the day. The hem of the dress was adorned with delicate silver beading and emerald green gems, adding a touch of elegance and glamour to the dress. Finishing the look was a silver and emerald green sash tied in a bow at the back of the dress that added a touch of sophistication to the overall look. The breathtaking sight of the kingdom's new queen made them quickly forget the mother of the bride, Trewenya, escorting her down, led by four white Great Danes, who, thanks to Kerbiel's training, went to their side of the church and behaved wonderfully in service. Speaking of, we cut to Finn. As she walks down the alley, Can you guys hear it? that song ends as she comes to the, the uh, somewhat podium. Finn greets them down below. And he says, Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to witness the union of two souls, bound together by light, uh, shining lights of serenity's love. As we stand witness to this blessed occasion, let us remember that this is only through the grace of the Almighty have we been brought together in this moment. And he steps down in front of them and goes, Who is here in front of us to step from the darkness into the light of Sarnay's embrace. He looks straight at Kurabriel and Korad's. Well, oh. I am Kurabriel Keen Coin. I just say the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, then steps into light places. Do you want me to read the whole thing? No, just. Oh. Just use yourself and who you're marrying. And I am marrying Cora Buck. Um, it is my pleasure. Wait, uh, is Say her name, Cora Buck. And then I take <laughs> their hands and I put their hands into each other and I grab them as I put my hand on top of theirs. I usher them into the light. As they step into the light, I say, Today we celebrate the triumph of love over all obstacles. As Kriegel and Cora stand hand to hand here before us, stepped into Serenary's ever loving embrace. Now we see the radiance of their love shining brighter than any star in the sky. Their love has endured the test of time. And through every challenge, they have emerged stronger and more committed to each other. But it is not just their love that has brought them to this moment. It is their faith in Serenary's plan for their lives that has guided them on this journey. It is through her grace that they found each other. And it is through her love that they have will come to go together as one. May the light of Serenary, as he says this, the opening of the Cathedral opens larger as uh, Ray J pulls a line, 
and it opens and shines down upon Kerville and Cora as they begin their new chapter in their lives. May their love be a testament for the power of Cerno's grace, and may it inspire all who witness it to strive for a love that is pure and true as theirs. As we celebrate this joyous occasion, let us give thanks to Serenue for her unwavering love and guidance. Let us pray that she will continue to bless Kerville and Cora with her grace and their love will continue to shine brightly for all eternity. The Nea Rael, the Dawnflower, and the Everlight. Amen. And as he does that, he signals to the arm bearers to get ready. With these arm bearers, armbands, there are not only symbols of love, but a promise. Cora, can you get your ready for Kirubil? He does. Please say I do after I read the vow. This armband is a token of my love and devotion to you. I promise to love you, honor you, and cherish you always. I vow to be there for you in good times and bad, to share in your laughter and your tears. With this armband, I give you my heart, my soul, and my life. So the armband was function was fashioned by Glanrum as well, the one that he's giving yes. to Cora, and it's uh yeah. It's in the it, it's a stocking cat, so it's like obviously bent around to be like kind of basically nose to its own tail, but its mm. head is turned sideways and it's got two emeralds for its in its eye sockets. Nice. It's a gold gold armband. I do. In her description, she has a high pitched voice. Kuriel, <laughs> can you get your armband ready for Cora? Well, that was that was the one for Cora. Sorry, I got that. Oh, backwards. that was Cora. Okay, so what's the other one look like now? So this one is also gold. It's of a mouse with two onyx stones for the eyes. Nice. So you say I do after I read the vow. With this armband, I promise to be your partner, your confidant, and your best friend. I vow to support you in all your dreams and aspirations, and to share in all your joys and sorrows. I give you this armband as a sign of my love and commitment to you for all eternity. I do. I now pronounce you man and wife. You may kiss the bride. No, they don't. This first. Hey. Oh. Lantern oh. stomps forward with this big mug. It's got this nice foamy head on it. This will seal it first. It's an ancient tradition passed down from the halls. You share this and then the kiss. <laughs> and he packs up. All right, he does. They they <laughs> drink the cup together, doing that the lock the arm and also like pour it into each other's mouth. Exactly. Nice. And then he dips her. Exactly. And she's like six inches taller than him, but you know. <laughs> you can still dip. Yeah, yeah. All right. And, and the hall explodes with sound of cheers. Yeah. Oh yeah, people stand. Um, as they leave, yeah. long live Krobiel, long live Queen Cora. Yeah, he did. He signed his all his invitations. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, all right. And then it leads to the party. The party. Um, does anyone have anything for the party? Or after? I or do. after? I, 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 I have something at the end of the party, but not. During the party. I have something for the party. Do it, girl. So uh, everyone slowly files out 
uh, of the church, and the party's at the castle, right? Yeah. So everyone makes their way uh, to the castle, uh, a little bit less nerves, and there's a, a feeling, <laughs> it smells less of sweat now at this point, <laughs> and just more of uh, calm joy. Um, as people make their way uh, through the snow um, to up to the castle, um, everyone's uh, bundled up in their nicest clothes with their nicest cloaks, and they make right. it to the castle. And remember, the wedding party is now in that sleigh that I described. Gorgeous. And the wedding party is in the sleigh. Um, when people arrive um, and they enter the castle, some of the things that they remember um, are the smells. Oh my, the smell of food, the deliciousness of all the different types of food that must be there awaiting them. The smell of warmth and, and ease and coziness, and the feeling of love. It's almost as if the love of these two has bled into the walls of this castle. And, and some of these people have never been here before. I mean, probably lots of them. And so this is just quite the experience to walk in um, and, and see this. And of course, bedecked in candles. So many different candles, so many different sizes, so many different types different colors you don't even know how the the candles are these colors is it magic is it flowers uh ayla would like to talk to finn about it later <laughs> uh given that there's candles everywhere there is an ambiance just the lighting that soft yellow lighting um this is a very hygge feeling if anyone knows the the danish word this very we do, comfortable because we, we learned it from the lizard folk <laughs> right. um and uh people people come in and they find they find seats and uh and and the food the food is served and it is every bit as good as it smells To the next. On to the next. Um, I imagine then the uh, the feast uh, car yeah, carries on and is as delicious as we all uh, imagine it would be. Um, and then as it uh, comes time time for the speeches, uh, Braille, um Nudges uh, Finn. He's like, uh, about those um, beverages you were suggesting earlier. <laughs> I'll take those now. Both. Huh. He goes, all right. Do you want the little urge of dancing fantastic, or do you want to be cool, calm, and collective? Um, oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> what, what happens if you mix them both? Oh, adventurous. And he's like, wait a minute. He's like, 
He kind of like goes, he goes, uh, here you go. <laughs> and he hands you like a little like uh, a thing to put in your cheek. Uh, and I'm like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like chalk, but it's just meant to sit in your cheek and it dissolves. Wait. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, he um, he takes takes that and uh, down, uh, downs a little bit more uh, wine, and then it's uh, it's time for the speech. Uh, so it too late. <laughs> too late. Oh god. He's already had a few, and um, yeah, maybe that that smell of sweat d went away from most up until right now, and it's back again for just a little bit as he's like stress sweating immensely, right all th through his robes. Um, but you under do his feel arm. Like your sensation that like nobody's looking at you, like. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. Then uh, this, uh, yeah. I guess then as this like hits, it's like, oh, I can do this, and he just shakes it off. Yeah. Spotted yeah. purple. <laughs> um. So he goes on to to give a, a speech, a heartfelt speech, lauding Carubial's uh, many admirable uh, admirable qualities and services to our new nation. Um, imagine he's adding a few little um, kind of quirks here and there, uh, kind of funny stories. Um, you know, nothing too like risque or anything too uh, embarrassing. Um, he he leaves out the one where like Rubio like tripped out of the saddle or something like that, and and um, you know. Yeah. That's good. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good. Um, <laughs> all right. And so then, uh, as, he, as he gets to the end of that, he he says, uh, and then to to end on a, oh, and he does the same for for Cora as well, um, and, and as much as he know, knows about her, um, and then as he comes to the end, he says, and and to honor the service of our our our, our great king and and our new queen, uh, we have uh, adorned their their faithful mount with. Uh, Saddle worthy of the knight of Ar and queen of Argentum, and um, wherever Sorath was, she's she's brought in, I guess. And there's a a new saddle uh, along with her other um, kind of flourishes there. And he says, um, "This saddle is known as Lancer's Hope. It once this saddle once served the courageous knight of House Medved's outriders, Sir Walthone." And uh, at this point, Drail will, will share a little story of the knights of the House Medved and, and Sir Walthone and uh, some of their deeds. And, he's, and then says, I've had the, had the honor of speaking with Sir Walthone's father. And many of you may not know that uh, Sir Walthone has, was uh, killed tragically after, or disappeared and was, was, we have just confirmed that he was tragically killed, but Sir Walthone's father and I both agreed that we could think of no better way to honor his memory than for the saddle to be used by the King of Argentum himself. Um, and there's that, uh, that's an actual mechanical uh, bonus there, Dave. The uh, Lancer's Hope lets you roll with advantage once per day on a charge attack. Does he roll his advantage on a charge attack? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So that was one of the items from Sir Wolfen's grave. So 
Um, right. Yeah, so that's that's it for his kind of like his his kind of speech yeah. at the wedding. Um, kind of th throughout, there's kind of a couple of things that Grail adds with kind of the m magical flourishes. Um, I think maybe as they were leaving the the chapel, um, you know, he sends up a ethereal flock of doves of silver doves. Nice. Um, towards the end of the um, towards the end of the celebrations, there. Of course, there'll be a, a fine fireworks display rivaling uh, those of uh, Mary Mead. And then finally, as, as as they're about to leave, and I don't want to get too far ahead, um, if there's anything else to be added, but he he's going to cast a spell on Soroth as you, as you guys are leaving the the festivities. Uh, a couple more gifts to go along with the saddle after Drail presents that uh, Lancer's Hope over to Carubial and Cora. The first notes. Oh, okay. Ah, here we go. The first is from uh, Megar Varn and approaches and uh, um, Cephal Laurentis, his wizard, his older wizard friend, and Casper Mororian, the cleric of Aristol, that also is a part of the Varnling host, are with him. And and Magar Varn approaches Carubial and Cora and says, uh, hands them a, a gift. Um, it's it's small; it fits right in Carubial's hand. Which, given that Magar Varn's a human and Carubial is a halfling, it's fairly small to fit in his hand it's something yeah. kind of metallic and heavy but it's just wrapped in a little bit of silk i mean he opens it you know as you pull apart the silk you see a uh a, a jewelry a silver v silver pin it's a v and an h superimposed on top of each other and Megar Varn says, this is the token of the Varnling host. You may redeem this, and the Varnling host will come to your aid. And mechanically, that means, like, resolve a quest or um, a task that needs to be done. The Varnling host, as an adventurer party, will, uh, you can redeem that for one, like, quest fulfillment where the Varnling host will do it for you. Oh. And of course, cool. a gift from the crown of Bravoy and the hulking armored figure in the silver and black armor with his black billowing cape. Um, helm stayed on throughout the whole ceremony and all the festivities. The helm has never come off. And this hulking body guard comes over and hands. Uh, Carubial and Cora a small purse with a paisley design on the outside. There's a little bit of jingling inside of it. Uh, thank you, Crown, for coming. Do I recognize who this is at all? Like, is he just is he just some dude? Uh, I mean, he's not just some dude. He's one of the guards of Natal of one like of the, the Sertova guard. guards. He's one of those like absolute elite bodyguards that you saw right. when she entered in. Certainly one of the right, badasses okay. of the realm, but is he like 
yeah, is he the queen? No, he's not the queen. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, he would, you know, we'd give our oh. thanks. Um, like, does it feel like a bag of coins in front of him? It, if you open it, you find there are four coins in it. There's a single copper bit, a single silver link, a single gold crown, and a single platinum dragon. Very clearly the currency of Bravoy. Hmm. Thomas, is that the last gift? Uh, one more gift. Okay, and on. I'm just going to say, maybe if Chen Li hadn't died, then uh, maybe that gift would have turned out differently. Maybe someone else from the crown would have come. I don't know. Sometimes there's consequences. Yeah. And she the... went swimming in monster-infested <laughs> water. It's not hard. Okay, that's all right. didn't really want to invite them anyway, so, you know, he felt like, you know, there were some obligations. So he's like, yeah, he just says, thank you for your generous gift. And the last coin comes from Savrin himself. So Savrin is the fellow in the triangle hat who was uh, Kerbeel's cavalier mentor and trainer from when he was a child. And Savrin gives him a, uh, a silver locket that Savrin will tell you is from his parents. And uh, the only way that the locket can be opened is with a magical command phrase. And Savrin will tell Kerbeel that the phrase is relationship more than blood that's perfect relationship um, more than blood and when you say that the locket will open on one side is the sertova crest engraved underneath with the words ours is the right and on the other side of the locket is the name keen coin just engraved inside of it. Hmm. And is that it... is the last gift, Mr. Okay. Ben. So now as he does that, Finn, this is the first time you ever see Finn in like a suit. He actually has his mask off. He changed out of his cell. He's in a suit. And he stumbles over his chair and he leans up to a snake. I think your guy's name. Sabra. He kind of like Sabra. leans up, leans on his like body and goes, all right, the speech you've been waiting for, the best man speech. He's like, ladies and gentlemen, friends and family, and anyone who's snuck in here for free booze, I'm honored to be the best man at this wedding. Even if I'm only the second best man in the room. I mean, have you seen, and he kind of like, wait, goes over to Cribriel and goes, have you seen this groom? He's like a model. He could be uncovered some paper somewhere. Meanwhile, I'm just happy if my shirt doesn't have a stain on it. Speaking of the groom, let me kind of like rubs his face. I've known him for a long time. In fact, it's been we've been best friends since I found him in the forest. I remember the day we met, like it was yesterday. He was eating paste from the tree, and I was like, that guy knows how to party. And we've been in several ever since. And then we met the bride. I have to say, I was a little jealous at first. I mean, who was this woman who was stealing my best friend away? But then I met her, and I realized that she's amazing. 
She's smart, funny, beautiful, and most importantly, she's put up with the groom's terrible jokes. If that's not true love, I don't know what is. Speaking of terrible jokes, I have a few to share. What's the difference between the groom and the dog? The dog knows when to stop licking itself. And why did the groom cross the road? To get to the other side of the buffet. But in all seriousness, I'm so happy for the happy couple. They're truly meant to be together. And I can't wait to see what the future holds for them. If they ever need a babysitter for their future child, they know who to call. Ray J. <laughs> Just don't tell them about the paste-eating thing. Congratulations, you two. And he kind of like leans back and kind of stumbles back up. You hear a snort from Ayla. <laughs> and then sits back down. Excellent. Um... Are there for awkward clap? There's awkward clapping after that. <laughs> and are there fireworks? Yeah. Is that what uh, Drail was was leading towards before we interrupted him with gifts? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, yep, definitely fireworks. I didn't have any um, details to add there, but at the end of the ceremony, mm. and mm. Um, then I think fun. as they are leaving, he he he. Uh, All right. I have a leaving thing. Maybe he shakes both uh, Korra's and Karubil's hand or something like that, gives them a hug, and uh, he's actually he's casting a spell on them. Um, it's Featherfall, just for kind of like a, a safety measure, and um, he will uh, cast a new spell on Sorath, uh, Fly, and uh, so whisper in Sorath's ear, uh, now just like we practiced. And uh, I don't know where where you guys are going, but uh, Sorath is gonna fly there if she wants to, or if you want her to. All right. Cool. Well, just before that, um, so, you know, during the feast and the dancing, just before the end of the night, um, Kirby would pull Drail and Glanrum each aside, uh, one at a time, and he'd present them with a minor, minor token of his appreciation for them standing up with him. He would have presented them each with a beautifully carved oak box, each with intricate carvings of a, either a golden dragon or a bear, respectively. Inside the box would be an exquisitely made silver flask with their names engraved upon it and the words thank you with love K and C on the back. And he would let them know that although it is only water, it will never let them want for thirst. So mechanically, it never runs out. Nice. Cool. Yeah. So. Um, also, Cora would have a similar moment with Ayla, but you'd present her with a beautiful silver bracelet with intricately charms hung from it. The different charms that were hanging from it would be a candlestick, a begonia, a mouse, a tankard uh, from their visit to Barnhold, a hammer, and finally a donkey. There would be more room room for more charms, she would have told her, to build more memories together over the years. I'm just trying to remember and where the donkey's finally, from. Is it Gladrum's donkey? <laughs> no, it's Ayla's favorite animal. Okay. <laughs> David and Carol figured this out. <laughs> um, finally, just before Kirby and Cora left for the night, on a flying Sorath, 
Kerbal would have a moment with Finn as well. He would thank him for finding him his family and for the beautiful words he had spoken earlier at the service and that he's honored to be his kin. He would then say to that this relic of their goddess deserves to be a member of the faith with the conviction to do what the Dawnflower would demand. And he would give him Jairana Sunrat and a huge hug. Then they would then leave the party for the night, hugging each of you, thanking you for sharing in this magical day. And apparently they would be carried off by the very large and imposing Meyer cat who is ever present flying up to the tower, apparently, and doing a whole new world around the Tuskwater before going up to their tower. Yep. Yeah. I can I can imagine that. And as Sorath, Karubial, and and Cora soar over the Tuskwater on the way to the top of the tower, they're and uh, the rest of the guests have, have seen the fireworks and slowly enter in just to grab whatever they left behind from their tables as they leave the feast. The, the sound of conversation in the castle is decrescendoing. The candles, all the different colored candles and all the shapes and sizes all the way around the castle are gradually going out half or out the rest are burned down low, the light getting very, very dark. And people re still remember the, the smell of the feast food lingering in the air with the guests, the figures slowly shuffling through doors, um, some walking confidently, some stumbling here and there as they exit. A couple folks are still sitting around the room and in one of the stuffed chairs, around the outside of the wall, you see a couple of Gares weavers cuddling together in the chair. Aww. Lily sits on Keston's lap and people can just remember hearing them quietly murmur, Keston's gloved hand resting protectively on top of Lily's belly. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Do you think that baby Porthos We'll ask her hand someday. Well, well, I don't know if it'll be him, but she damn well gets to marry whoever she pleases. Just a bit of a chuckle from both of them. I don't know if she'll ever grow to be as physically strong as Ayla Zorn, and I don't know who the other great role models for her really would be that... That gith girl is interesting, but just a bit flighty for my tastes. Oh, well. I think we have someone new. A role model that most could only dream of. I think we have a new queen to watch. To celebrate and to be inspired by. And that's what people remember about the wedding of Carubial yeah. and Cora. That was great, guys. Thank you. Yeah, I think I'm scrapping the rest of D&D format. Now we're going to do all our sessions like that. That was great. Very rewarding. Yeah. Everyone has everyone has to prep for the game, not just not just you. It's perfect. Yeah, I prep the least that that I that I usually do. It's amazing. All right. Do a few months go by, and then 
Right. So yeah, we're at 1038, but I want to close off with just reading the in-person scrolls. Um, so in terms of timeline, uh, Carubial and Cora have their wedding winter solstice. Then um, there's a couple more months of, of kingdom building. The snow melts. We're into the very early beginning of spring, and it's starting to warm up. Uh, I know that the council members, or the small council members, I should say, traditionally have their breakfast together in the council room, um, which uh, I will bring you to. And um, Tom, while you're doing that, yep. is there anything you guys want kingdom building wise? You've been happy with anything? Is anything that you think you want that I, you know, I'm happy to keep doing it if anyone wants to uh, offer input now? Or in the thread. And as you guys are leisurely sitting around having your breakfast, uh, Sovi letting you know of any significant issues that have come up, come up during the day. Also a time when you open your mail and there's a pile on the table that you often sort through at breakfast. Uh, each of you gets mail, honestly, from different people across the... Um, primarily Argentum, but sometimes from other places as well. So it's not uncommon to have mail from um, many different places. And there are three scrolls in particular, three I say, that look quite similar. One addressed to Finn, one addressed to Carubial, and one addressed to uh, Kasner. And um, feel free, so Dave and uh, Finn are going to read them and then share what uh, what they will from the scrolls as they read them. Go ahead. Colin looks really sad, just so you know. Colin wants he, to know what? Finn apparently started... No. Finn, Finn is already crying, apparently. He can't read. Oh. He's, he's upset. Um... So he, as he reads it, before he finishes the whole thing, and he turns to the council and goes, I don't ask for much. I never ask for a lot of things. I don't ask for gold. But the one thing I do ask is that you guys support me in the thing I bring up next. Like, hey, look at Kirbyl and go, our home is being attacked again. They need our help. The centaurs who we fought off before I left, I thought we dealt with them. They've come back. And they're terrorizing my people. Our people. Our people. We need, they need our help. No one else will help them. So I'm begging the council to bring our army and head toward Duskbolt. Duskbolt. Yeah, I see that. I'm just a little tipsy. So mechanically speaking, how far away is Tuscombe from Argentum? Um, I'll bring you over. Yeah, I'll bring you to the, always the map. Bring you to the big map because we have a road all the way. Yeah, we have a road all the way there, though. It's yeah. actually. Well, I mean, it's crazy. It's actually off Definitely. this map. So how far away is it? So if you were to go yeah. to Duskhold, you would go up the your road um, that goes north and connects to the South Rosslyn Road. You would take the South Rosslyn Road the, all the way past like Bravoy. Um. It's probably like another eight or ten hexes east, and then 
maybe six or seven hexes north from there. Um, oh, huh, I've got a better map. Why am I not showing you the right map? Right. I have I have a solution um, to this question. Oh yeah, this. Oh. Um, okay. Because they're at the base of the mountain. They oh, are. Yeah. So um, your kingdom's not on this map because it's a map of Bravoy, but you can see Restov's in the bottom of this map. Yeah. Duskhold is just to the east and north a little bit. And if we go even further, we can find Iyer Hills, just in case you wanted to know where that was. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, they're up there. So it's in someone else's kingdom, right? And you can I, see... Isn't it, it's technically part of I think You can like see Kasner, white as a sheet, line. sitting across the table from you. And he says, All my family, all our family, is there in Duskhold. Maybe Porthos's family is there. But bringing the army? It's madness. Bravoy would surely go to war with us. Rightfully, if we brought armed troops into their sovereign territory. It might bring their kingdom together. They're at the brink of civil war, but this might be the event that brings them together against us. We can't stand by. And, uh, and he just looks absolutely beside himself. How many, like, is it a centaur, like, army that you're talking about? Or is it like a, I guess so. How, how many, Kasner, when you were last there? Uh, as far as, this is new to Kasner. Uh, when Kasner left Duskhold, um, he, and I guess um, Meredith as well, and Pika and Boo, when they left Duskhold, like centaurs raided every once in a while, but like nothing that would put a dent in the defenses. Like enough that they had to have that Duskhold had to have defenses and certainly repel an attack or two, but nothing that would um, significantly deplete the resources of Duskhold. Like this is new. Well, I mean, the crown tells them that they don't have forces available. We could send word to the crown that we have forces available to march on their behalf. And if if you want, uh, I mean, you can continue to do the rest of rest of the planning of exactly what you want to do next um, till we start off again. Just knowing we're already at ten forty-five tonight, but um, I guess I guess that's true. Th that's your next decision. What are you going to do about Duskhold? It's in Bravoy, it's not in Argentum, it's, they're not your people, but they're, that's, they're Finn and, and Kerbiel and Kasner's people, and, uh, and they've been written yeah. to and, and asked for help. And I guess the other thing I'll say is you kind of consider about this for, before next time we play, is, um, you know, previously we were doing the interludes, and we were a little more linear and less sandboxy, but this is good and uh proper into book three and the full sandbox is open there's no um, particular ways i want you to go as a gm you do whatever you think your characters want and it, you have more options than a regular DD &D party does because you're friggin' rulers of a kingdom but uh yeah there's no way i need you to go here you do whatever you want and uh the story will work <laughs>